0: Brooklyn, we say it over and over again, but I think you've got a singing career ahead of you. Yeah. That is no joke. And uh, I just am moved by that, thinking about the Lord singing over us and saying, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Turn to someone we can say, it's going to be okay. What a beautiful thing. And uh, Sandra, that last song you sang uh, with worship, I you got to play that at the altar call. All right, That was just uh, beautiful. But um, this morning we're moving out of our series, "Winning the Year," because uh, we've already won it. No, I'm just kidding. We're we're done with it. But uh, but I want to move in today to becoming mountain climbers. I was really enamored by this story, um, just the bigness of what this story is in um, Exodus 33 um, and Exodus 34, where we see Moses going to the mountain to visit. God and literally having the presence of God move before him. I don't, it was one of those things as I read it, I'm like, Lord, I can't even do justice to what happened here and what this story is about. Um, but it's unbelievable that God called Moses up to Mount Sinai. And I just want to give you a few little fun facts about Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai, if you want to, you want to switch to that slide there, that's Mount Sinai right in there. You know, we, <laughs> we, we, we think of Moses and him climbing up into the summit there. Mount Sinai is 7,497 feet. It takes two and a half hours on foot to climb to the summit. So it's not Mount Everest, but it's not just a walk around the park either. Um, both Moses and Elijah spent time with the Lord here. Elijah fled from Jezebel and he was renewed there. Uh, the very powerful things happen on Mount Sinai, um, but I want us to kind of grab a picture of this and Moses seeing God's glory. Um, I wanted to start in um, Exodus 34. And I forgot my water. Oh, no. Anne, you're going to have to bring that up to me. Anne's my, my water, water water boy. Can we say water boy in this politically correct culture anymore? No. I think cancel culture. I, would get, I think I would have to quit my ministry job because I call her a water boy and offer a three-hour apology on Facebook. Water person. Sorry, we can laugh at life, can't we? Uh, Exodus 34. uh, Then the Lord told Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. Remember we got mad and the anger of the Lord and He cast down the tablets. So now He's got to chisel out these stones. Now mind you, He's got to bring the stones up the mountain, folks, two and a half hours. So he's going to have this climb, and he doesn't have the most cushiony hiking boots with him. You know, he didn't go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get all the ropes and all the stuff to prepare for this two and a half hour climb. So here we go. Chisel out the two stone tablets like the first one. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets that you smashed. Be ready in the morning. Turn to someone and say, be ready. In the morning, to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on top of the mountain. No one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountains. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones early in the morning, and he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two tablets of stone in his hand. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood with him. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So when the world tells you that we have a hateful God that wants to destroy you, you tell him, no way, sir or ma'am. I serve an unfailing Living God who lavishes love on me, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren, and the entire family is affected. And every child, child in the third and fourth generation, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped, and he said, "O oh Lord, if it's true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us." Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. He didn't say their sins. He said what? Our sins. sins. Claim us as your own special possession. I want you to turn really quick back to Exodus 33 because the Lord gave them a command before he went up the mountain. In Exodus 33, the Lord told Moses, get going, you and your people brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to you and your descendants and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and every other ice there ever was. No. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. And when the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning and stopped wearing their jewelry and their fine clothes, for the Lord had told them that you are a stubborn and rebellious people. And it's amazing how God told them to get going, that they have victory that, they want to, that he wants to give to them. I want to ask today, are you going after anything this year? And it's one of those things where I have to look at my life. Am I just going through routines or am I going after something? You know, you think about goals in life and developing those things. Goals are good things. And I think it's the very spirit of Christ that gives us goals in our life and does a wonderful thing. I wanted to read real quick, there's an excerpt from Alpine Ascents International article and it read, those who summited the mountain seem unable to forget it for a moment as if the mountain has seeped into their genetic fiber. And as we go into kind of climbing after the things of God, God has great and mighty things that he does want to show us. The Lord spoke to Moses and He said to him, Be ready to climb up the Mount Sinai and present yourself to me at the mountain. Every morning kind of when I get ready, I kind of put my clothes up. Does anybody set your clothes out the night before if you've got a big appointment? Jake's that way. You kind of put it out there. I live in a small house, so every door and creek and floor thing, you're like, i got to miss that floorboard because that will wake the whole house up. Anybody have that kind of house? So I put my clothes out. I'm getting ready. He told Moses to be ready. And you know what I think why we don't go mountain climbing? First of all, we don't think we're worthy to climb the mountain. You know, God made you worthy to climb this mountain. You know, just as He spoke to Moses and did these things, His idea is that we are a kingdom of priests so that every one of us has the ability or potential to ascend to the mountain of God and to speak to Him and to hear from Him. God says that we can enter the throne of grace Boldly. So Moses is getting ready. I can only imagine as he says, okay, I'm going to have to trek up this mountain here. I'm going to have to go up to this place. I've got to get ready. I've got to get things ready. I've got to let everyone know what's happening that next day. I've got to get ready. Not only practically speaking, but we see throughout the pattern of Scripture that we ready ourselves. I challenge you, when you come to church in the morning, to ready yourselves for the presence of God. Don't just put the makeup on or put the clothes on or iron the shirt. Folks, I want to tell you, ready your spirit to receive from the Lord. And so often in all, the, all the, just the chaos of getting to church, we forget that at church we can all abide together and enjoy the very presence of God. When Brooklyn sings, that's not just a cute song that Brooklyn sung. She's singing a worship song. When Rod opens up and starts inspiring us through acts of worship, those aren't just rote words. That's the Word of God speaking through Him. When you come up to someone and you grab their hand, you have the ability to grab that person's hand and walk into the presence of God together. Are we readying ourselves for the Lord this year to have a visitation from Him? I want to challenge you this year. By the way, I'm a firm believer that we serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever. We are not a church that thinks that the miracles stopped once Jesus was ascended into heaven. Can I get an amen there? Your Bible is full and chock full of revelation. Do you know, I'm reading about the Apostle Paul, that crazy guy right now. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Do you know what motivated him? And do you know what he used when he was before the Sanhedrin and before the Caesar? Do you know what he told them? He said, I received a vision from God. And that was his whole reason for doing what he did. I received a vision. Maybe God speaks to you audibly this week. Oh, well, pastor, how does God speak? Oh, he speaks a lot of ways. He speaks through donkeys. He speaks to you in your heart. He spe- the Word of God pops open. He gives you a dream. You go to sleep tonight. All of a sudden, you're asleep, and God puts something in your spirit, and He is making you ascend to a mountain with Him, and He is speaking into your very life about the circumstances you face. Didn't He say, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and I will cause my old men to dream dreams and my young men to prophesy? Folks, I'm not looking to study maps. And what Moses did. Well, that's cute, isn't it? What are the 14 facts of Moses and how he ascended to the mountain? I want to go to the mountain. I don't want to live off of someone's story. I want God's story in my story. Now, I'm not telling every one of us that we're going to sign up and we're going to go to Mount Everest next weekend. But our mountain climbing is going to happen in different ways. And turn to someone real quick and say, "You got a mountain to climb." And some of us are saying, "Yes, I do. I'm in the middle of it right now." You know, we've got mountains to climb, and, and I'm a firm believer that if you are alive today, then you got a plan and a purpose. Amen. I only got one name in there. <laughs> Stephen Mansfield. I love this book. It's the Manfield, Mansfield Book of Manly Men. I love it. And on the book cover, it's got a guy with like a handlebar mustache. And it's all these great men, Theodore Roosevelt and all these great people doing awesome exploits. And people who uh, conquered the West and kind of went into the wilderness and did some crazy thing. The Lewis and Clark type things. And just these awesome things. These, these were people that really did this. You know, we we talk about the Bible and we almost separate ourselves with it because it's so far away. But there's recent history people who do these things. He writes, Gentlemen, let's admit it. Most of us tragically are over-domesticated. We have hardly any connection to the wild or our wilder selves. Words like adventure and exploit and quest no longer apply to us. It's why we are soft, whiny, and bored. I read that and I go, Lord, am I over-domesticated? Have I been over-domesticated? Don't you think that Americans are a little over-domesticated? You know, we push our dogs in strollers now. Even our pets are over-domesticated. Don't even go there. I'm going to touch a lot of hot spots. We've already gone there before. But we have over-domesticated even animals. We're not even talking about people. We're actually talking about animals. And yet people walk through life and we're so over-domesticated, even how we treat church. We want church to just serve us and to take care of me and to take care of my situation. And and we become kind of... and we create this capsule of our own selves and, and we don't do anything. We have no passion and we don't realize that there's a quest that God is calling us on to. You know, the whole goal of mountain climbing, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's going to the top. Going to the top. When you go to the mountain, you want to get to the summit. God told Moses, Moses, you meet me at the top of this mountain. He didn't say meet me at the bottom of the mountain. He didn't tell him meet me halfway. Do you know, can you imagine if our Christian faith was expressed in such a way where we start this good race that God has for us and we say, well... I went halfway up. I had ten good years with God. I'm going to retire from this thing now. We live that way. So you can't live on what happened 15 years ago in your life. Your faith 10 years ago is nothing now. Because it's in the past. So we use that verse, forget the past, as like just forgetting the bad things, but you have a lot of good things to forget because you're stuck there. So we've got to get to the top of the mountain. Moses, it's great. You were on this mountain back in chapter 19. Well, guess what? we got to go again. Moses, in his passion and his zeal for the law of God, hearing the people worship, throws the stones on, down on the ground as the Spirit of Christ and comes back up to meet God again in this very same moment and what beautiful, beautiful moment it was as God comes and speaks to Moses directly. But folks, are we over-domesticated today? Do we have a church and a faith, churches and Western culture, will we just make it so palatable and make it good for the people, just so that they won't think we're weirdos? I don't want anyone to think differently of me. So let's just fit in. Folks, let me remind you, by the way, as we offer our petty excuses to God and the lack of experience we have in mountain climbing with God, Moses would have been 80 years old when he climbed to the top of that mountain. Tess, are you ready to go? (laughs) I mean, my goodness. And maybe today you say, I can't make it to the top. And you have a myriad of reasons for why you can't make it to the top right now. We're going to go through some of those. Turn to someone and say, you're making it to the top. Chuck Swindoll writes, without a quest, life is quickly reduced to bleak black and wimpy white, a diet too bland to get anybody out of bed in the morning. Isn't that so true? You know, ever smell breakfast cooking in the morning? The most important staple breakfast food there is in America is bacon. What is this bacon thing? Get get the bacon cooking and you just fill the whole house up with it. What a beautiful thing. But, a, but man, our diet becomes so bland with God that it doesn't get anybody excited. Have you ever met anybody that actually, you meet somebody who's excited about their faith? Isn't it cool? They have a story to tell you about what God's doing. You know, we, 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 we don't have that. Because we're not looking forward to anything. You know, I was thinking as I was worshiping in here, here we are and this free country. I'm worshiping on Sunday. We didn't have to turn the lights out. You know, they, talk, they sang about the underground church in here. We were talking to the kids yesterday. Underground doesn't mean that they're, they're underground necessarily. It just means that they're hiding privately so that no one would know quietly. They're in little groups. Right now, in China, they've already started their services and everything. Everything's gone through in Iran. They're staying hunkered down, and they're having to, to spread the Gospel in different ways because they don't have the freedom. And yet I see Christian Americans and we are bored with our faith. We have wealth coming out of our ears. We have opportunities. And I don't care what little offenses and grievances you have. You have got to start climbing the mountain again. I have got to start climbing the mountain again. We have much to be excited and looking forward to. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Why so downcast, O my soul? I don't feel, many times we say this, I don't feel like I'm heading to the top. Does anybody feel kind of like you're climbing down as opposed to going up? I think one of the most important things we've got to do in our life, and in this life especially, our greatest hindrance to a mountaintop is a life of ease. The goal in life is not for it to become easier and easier. Do you know that? I know we're looking for that because you, you have those little metrics in your life. Well, we shouldn't have this. I, should, I shouldn't be dealing with this right now. Well, you are. Well, you are. Well, this should be different. Yeah, welcome to planet Earth. Life is not about ease and comfort. And I know America sells that. Now we want to want to have the ease and we want to, you know, have that we we have a unique thing in our in our economy where somebody who's really poor can kind of have the things that really wealthy people can have. It's crazy if you think about it. Like, you can use credit cards and kind of live this life of ease without really paying much price for it. In the long term you do, it's called interest, but you, you live this way and it comes back to you. But push yourself beyond your ease. You know, going after God is not easy. Not at all. Moses, come to the mountain with me. He didn't say, I'm going to have these special donkeys and mules that are going to help you up there. He didn't say, I'm going to have a team of people, I'm going to have two angels carry you up this mountain because Moses, it's going to be easy. No, no, no. this road that we're going on is not easy. It's the hardest road that you can choose. Paul declared, I beat my body into submission daily. Folks, I want to tell you today, I challenge you this week not to look for ease and comfort but look about ways that you can beat your body into submission. What can you do? What do, you, what do I mean by beating your body into submission? Things that you just kind of would just sluffed off or just not done, and you pick up and you decide, no, I'm going to go the extra mile, the extra step. Remember when He taught the disciples, if someone asks for your coat, you know, give them your other coat, you know, go the extra mile. When the Roman soldiers would have people do things for them, He would tell them, go the extra mile with them carrying things for people, doing things for people, going to the mountain of God. Many of us, we don't feel like we're heading for the top. Stephen Manfield writes, life in this fallen world is risky and dangerous. Losses will come. Failures will happen. Our journey will not be a constant, joyful, upward ascent. There will be times when you just have to stop. You know, when I'm not a mountain climber, so I'm going to act like a mountain climber now, but (laughs) Sean, me and you can go mountain climbing, right? So, so we go, we go mountain climbing, but they have what's called base camp, right? You have all your stuff up there, and, and, and you, and you, 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 your sleeping gear, your food, and everything, and then you manage the ascent. But when you're in base camp, when you go climbing, there are times and circumstances where there's that pause, where you're not going to be able to get to the top, because you've got a major storm coming. You've got major changes, whether it be wind or whatever it is, and you have to pause. And many times in life, in our ascent, There's going to be some pauses. Raise your hand real quick if you've got a few pauses going on in your life right now. You don't feel like you're heading to the top. Let me tell you something. You can't allow failure and loss to destroy you today. Every one of us has failed, but you are not a failure. Every one of us has failed at something in here. Let me do another show of hands. Have you ever failed at anything in your life? Very good, we have a lot of failures in here today. (laughs) No, we're not. We failed. You might have failed miserably at something. You might have fell right on your face. Do you know God doesn't see you any differently? He still wants you climbing the mountain. He doesn't say, well, you're not qualified for this mountain climb anymore, soldier. I'm going to have someone else climb the mountain. No, God moves in and he picks us up. We don't pick ourselves up. God literally picks us up. And he teaches us to go up the mountain. But you cannot allow your failures and losses to destroy you. Let me remind you, by the way, you're not a failure. And as you keep climbing, you must keep going and keep trying. There's this new song, and I want to sing it sometime or have, us have it as a special, is Keep Trying, and it's Corey Asbury has this really cool new song. And over and over again, he says, keep trying, keep trying. And I told you about the special forces, about how they get to the mountain. And he said, don't look at that mountaintop. You'll fail going up to the mountain. Look at the next nearest tree. Make that your goal. The next nearest tree, make that your goal. The next nearest tree, make that your goal. And you'll eventually get to the top. J.D. Greer writes, in many cases, we have to live out our days not knowing the precise reason for our terrible events. At the cross, We see God willingly enter into suffering. There he did more than promise to fix our pain. He immersed himself in it. And there we see that even when things looked out of control, they really weren't. See, in the cross, can you imagine being the disciple? All the disciples looking at the situation, completely confused. They gave their life to Jesus for three and a half years, and the end of it all is a crucifixion and him dying on the cross. When it looked completely out of control, it wasn't! Christians, it may look completely out of control to you right now. It isn't! Rehearse this to yourself. As you dive into situation, and you read headlines, and you see people, and you see circumstances, it's not out of control! Physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. You might say, what are you talking about? It absolutely is out of control. Jesus Christ is right in the middle of the struggle. Paul admonished his son, Timothy, to stir up the gift inside of you. You want a life of ease? God didn't give that to you you thought you'd be sitting under a palm tree drinking some fancy drink with an umbrella out of it, and you don't have that. And you're mad at life, and you're mad at people, and you're mad at God. And God's calling you saying, listen, I have called you to great things. I'm going to show you beautiful things, but I am in completely control of everything that you're facing. God's in complete control. The earth is God's footstool. Do you feel, by the way, there's any time when God, If there was a time when it looked like God had lost control, it was on the day that Jesus was crucified. Every believer in that time would have said, during that moment, that God has lost control. We won't say it, but many times in our faith factory we believe it. Do you feel like God has lost control of your present situation? Think about that really deep right now. You think about the situations you face. And I want to say right now, maybe we take a moment and we ask God's forgiveness if we have felt like he has lost control. Here's what happens. This will allow your hearts to turn to him because if you're a person right now that is believing that God is losing control of your situation, how can you trust a God then that you think has lost control? So what we do is we put things back in our own hands, in our own feet, and we say, well, I can't trust God with this. I don't know. I mean, God God failed me here. And so we look at God as a God who kind of with a coin flip determines situations in our life. And God knows the end before the beginning. God hasn't lost control. If anybody's lost control, it's us. We've lost control of our brains. Our minds. Our minds. We lost control of our mouths. Our tongue. We spew everything out of our mouth without giving an account for it. And I dare say and challenge the mountain climbers today that we say to God, God, forgive me for thinking that you've lost control of the situation. This will allow your heart which has become cold, to become soft again. This will allow our hearts to turn to Him and to trust Him again. By the way, when you're climbing your mountains, you're going to have to give an allowance for this. Are you ready? You're going to hate this. Allow for some divine detours in your life. It's the most frustrating thing in your life. Did anybody have any detours this past 18 months or so? Mark Batterson writes, "Sometimes a closed door is the very thing that gets God gets us where God wants us to go." You know, we talk about God closing doors, and we want even God to close the doors that we think need to be closed. <laughs> so we say, "God, we pray that you close this door, and it does the other door. And we're like, "Wait, no, no, God, close that door because that was the problem. No, 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 and He opens it wide open. And then he closes this one, and he plays this door game with us, right? That's how we feel. Sometimes a closed door is the very thing that gets us where God wants us to go. He goes on to write, I've come to think of closed doors as divine detours. And while our failed plans can be incredibly discouraging and disorienting, God often uses the thing that seemed to be taking us off our course to keep us on His. We get overwhelmed so often, don't we? Turn real quick to Psalm 131. I want you to know kind of there's a secret to dealing with the stuff that overwhelms you. We get overwhelmed so often. Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't don't concern myself with matters too great. I want you to catch that. I don't concern myself with matters too great. Instead, I have calmed and I have quieted myself. A mountain climber, it's going to be very important for you as we get overwhelmed with too much. We don't concern ourselves with matters too great. And I want to think of a mountain climber like this. Joe, why don't you come up here and we're going to concern ourselves with some matters. Joe's coming up here right now. Oh. oh well thanks, Joe. That's right. I had all these awesome things. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm gonna this is gonna be awesome going up the mountain like this. Yeah. So we're concerning ourselves with matters. Joe Joe didn't know you worked for United, did you? So we've got our luggage, right? This has been bent all over the place, it's been everywhere. We've got these and makes these really cool like name tags so that they're you know, they're just really great there. But we're going up a mountain, right? Can you imagine someone going, all right, I'm ready to go up to Mount Sinai. And we climb up there and we've got our carry-on bag. We got this. This is not what mountain climbers look like. And so we've consumed our life. I think of that with David, with his life. And he says, I don't concern myself with matters too great. I talked about the unplugging last week, right? And we talked about the idea... That our mind is inundated with all sorts of information and we take it all in and we take more in and we take it all in. And I'm sure even while we're sitting here that we have had 15 notifications about how the world is ending right now. I just know it. Sometimes can we just pull it back as we're mountain climbing and realize that we can't carry all that junk up to the mountain with us. You're going to have to leave. The Bible declares it like this. I take off every weight and every sin that so easily entangles. It's not just sin that bothers us, it's weight, right? It's things that we're carrying, it's baggage. I, re- I think of all the things that you could potentially put in a in suitcase. And you think about those guys at base camp as they have the most minimal things that they can bring up there. You think about your life right now and all that you're trying to carry right now with your life. It's going to be impossible for you to get to the top of the mountain living like this. You and I become people just carrying around our luggage and our carry-ons all the way up to the hill and God is saying, you're going to have to leave some things behind. You get overwhelmed so often... I want to challenge you this week. Don't get concerned with too much. Get concerned with what needs to get concerned with. But you can't be concerned with all the world's problems. You, are, you, you don't have long enough life to deal with it. You don't have enough knowledge and wisdom. You don't have enough influence. You have to settle yourself into the sovereignty and the bigness of God and say, God, I am trusting you right now. I am pushing this sin and this weight over to you. Mountain climbers can't carry everything up the mountains with them. You can't carry suitcases up that mountain. By the way, are you going higher up the mountain? As you go higher up a mountain, that temperature drastically changes. I remember me and and Ann were taking the road up to that mountain in Maui and I was watching the temperature gauge in our car. We were driving up it, not going up, walking up the mountain, but we were going up the mountain, and every level it seemed like 10 degrees. It went from 72 degrees to like zero degrees. It was, it was nuts. And that was just in a matter of like a half-hour drive. And, and I want you to know that as the higher you go with God, it doesn't get easier. In a lot of cases, it gets really hard. C.S. Lewis writes, Holy places are dark places. It is a life and strength, not knowledge and words, that we get in them. I think it's important. The holy place of God is a place where we go to where no one else is there but God. You know, the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament was this dark place, really. It wasn't bright and brilliant. The candle was there and it was lit. But you would just have the very presence of God filling that place. When you go to the places with God, it's going to be a place of not knowing. It's going to be a place that you don't understand. It's going to be maybe at cold at times. It's, you're going to feel like at that intimate moment where you're going to have to rip your heart. You, know, you, you, you let go of your defenses with God. You get past all the Christianese stuff and all your little religious things that you do. And you actually talk to God and you actually speak to him from your heart. That's a scary place to be. I want you to know when you get to that place, because we're all going to get there. You call in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible declares that you are saved. But know this, that every person in this room right now has a destiny. You didn't have a destiny, you have a destiny right now. Stephen Manfield's right. You can rise again from any depth of destruction because he knows his life, is defined by something more powerful than his own sin or his stupidity. It is powered by the purpose determined for him by God. Your life is not defined by your sin. Your life is defined by God and his print on your life. You think about cancel culture and what it does, they go back into it. Can you imagine living according to the world and the lack of grace the world has for people? and the lack of concern, the minute you get to the top, what does the world do? They pull that person down. You have a sin from 12 years ago that was in some photo somewhere in a yearbook, and all of a sudden your whole life is ruined! But see, with the Kingdom of God and with Christ, He doesn't base your destiny on your sin. He bases your destiny on the cross of Christ which says, you are mine, child, you are mine. You are not defined, by the way, by how much money you make or how smart you are or become or how good you think you can be in church. You are defined by the grace and love of Jesus Christ, which is encapsulated in a beautiful word, grace, which means unmerited favor. You're destined for something greater. I think it's so important. That every one of us realize today as we climb up the mountain that we have a special place in Jesus' heart. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You're not a number. You're a person. God made you. There's a beautiful personal story in Waking the Dead. This is one of my favorite books of all time by John Eldridge. And he writes this story about Abby. And she writes it like this. He said, listen to the rest of Abby's story. God has given me a new name. A name that is so perfectly and wondrously opposite of the lie that had controlled so much of my life. He is healing my heart. A year ago, a wise woman whom I deeply respect was praying for me, she heard God call me my sunshine and my delight. Really, really? My heart responded sunshine, not darkness? Not object of my contempt? This was so precious to me, so beyond my wildest hopes for what I was to my God that I kept it to myself. Over the next several months, two friends wrote to me, completely independent of one another, and their letters, they both described that I was like sunshine in their lives. Still, I kept this in my heart. Then my boss and dear friend began to call me Sunshine. I could barely believe it, and finally, a dear friend saw a painting of a young girl and instantly recognized my face in it. The young girl had a look of confidence and mischief and utter security in who she was and whom she belonged. The name of the painting was Jessica of the Sunlight Ranch. God was calling me, God was calling to me, God was calling me to believe that truly I was his sunshine and his delight. Calling me to believe that there was something beautiful and valiant that he had placed deep within me that my husband and my friends and that this world needs. Calling me to believe that the effect of my life is the goodness and light and life. Not darkness, contempt and irritation. And so I started offering my heart. I started saying no to the voice of my enemy that calls me to fearfully tone down, edit, control my words and my actions for fear of offending, or bringing on rejection and shame. Instead, I've been stepping out. I've been sharing what I see of my God and in my friends. I've chosen to offer my presence, my heart, and my love. Instead of trying to endlessly figure out what else I should offer, I've chosen to believe that I am loved and I am safe with my God. Folks, you can't live your life constantly editing. You can't live your life constantly apologizing. You and I are going to have to stand up and really truly start to believe that God has called you and me to high places to speak to us as friends. I can't say that loud enough. God is calling you upwards to a higher place to come and see His glory. Exodus 34.10 says, I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere on earth or any nation. Folks, I'm looking forward to see the miracles that haven't been seen before. Aren't you? And America, I'm looking forward to seeing what God will do that no other nation has seen before. Amen. Amen. Jim was talking about that earlier this morning. I think God's going to do beautiful, beautiful things. And if we don't have that attitude and if we don't have that spirit and we're just kind of going to shuffle down life of ease and kind of sit there, then we won't be partakers of what God's trying to do. Max Lucado writes this, May God bless your life with more miracles than you can count. You know, Sandra, maybe you should start coming up and playing. It'd be nice to have music in the background to this particular story. I want to share this with you. It's really cool what he spoke here. It's awesome. May God bless your life with more miracles than you can count. May your water become cabernet. May your dark storms turn into springtime sun. May He feed thousands upon thousands of people through your picnic basket of faith. May you walk like the just-healed cripple, see like the that was blind man, live like that was like the dead man Lazarus. May you dwell in the grace of the cross, the hope of the empty tomb, and the assurance of restoration power. But most of all, may you believe. Believe that God is is your ever-present help and that in his presence you may find rest. Isn't that beautiful? What a beautiful prayer to think that, God, you're going to show me things that have not been seen in this nation yet. You know, one of the things that we need to do too as believers and walking through the plan that God has for us is acknowledging our folly, right? Calling to repentance. You know, Paul spoke and when he preached the Gospel, he always called people to repent and turn from their sins and let their life prove to God. Call it repentance. Call it brokenness or humility. Hanging a lantern on your weakness. Realizing that we are not as we should be as Stephen Manfield's right. Folks, maybe there today you kind of confess to God that I have not been climbing up the mountain. And you submit your life to capable men. I want you to know that Jesus Christ went up that mountain. He made it. He made it to the finish line. So as He's helping us, He's not figuring out the plan for us as we go. He actually has a beautiful, beautiful, supreme plan for us. I want to end with a couple promises for you so you don't travel alone. Matthew 6, 31-33 says this, I will take care of you. Exodus 19:4. You know how I have carried you on eagles' wings. God literally carries us. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Nothing will ever separate you from my love. I want us to close our eyes for a moment and maybe you imagine yourself right now at the foot of that mountain and God like Moses is telling you come up to the top. And we have all sorts of reasons and excuses and people to blame. How things didn't go our way. We didn't get the right job. We didn't get the promotion, the people. We strip all that off like the luggage because so many of us right now are carrying luggage up a mountain and we look really silly. And I want you to know you can trust God with your luggage. You can trust God with your junk. You can trust God with all the years of bitterness and regret and envy and unforgiveness and questions. You can even trust God with your lack of trust that you've had with Him. And you can just give it to Him. And today my call, first and foremost, is to those of you who are at the base of the mountain and you've never started this journey with Christ, and you've not known Him as your Lord and Savior, and you say, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. I want to give Him my heart, and I want to give Him my life. The Bible says to repent and confess our sins. And today we're going to do that with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to take this opportunity to repent of those sins and leave the past behind, And ask Jesus Christ in your heart. We're going to pray this prayer together. But if you don't know Jesus, and you want to know Jesus today, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Anybody? Why don't we all pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, Jesus, I thank you you. for dying on the cross for my sins, for my my situations, For 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 my problems. Thank you, God, that you promise a new life to me. I'm leaving the old life behind. And I'm trusting you with everything. Come into my heart, God. Teach me your ways. Show me how to climb this mountain. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed, maybe you're kind of in these shoes now where you've been praying for a life of ease as opposed to a life of purpose. And you're kind of conditioning how you're going to climb this mountain and you're saying, well, I'm going to climb this mountain if this happens or if this breaks through, I can start climbing. But I I can't start climbing yet. Mountain climbers aren't perfect. Mountain climbers are going somewhere though. And God is calling you to the top. Don't you stop halfway. And don't you go back down until he tells you to. But today, as you're ascending, maybe you're stuck at base camp. You're by the nice fire, got your granola, you got your cute stories, got your fish stories you could tell about 10 years ago. But God's got more stories up at the top of the mountain, and you're stuck at the base. today, believer, you say, I'm, I'm gearing up and I'm heading out to the unknown. If that's you and you say, I'm leaving base camp right now. I've been stuck here too long. Honestly, before you and the Lord, we're all this family together. You say, that's me I'm leaving all this luggage, all this junk behind. I'm climbing again. If that's you. Would you raise your hand? Anybody in here today? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray a prayer over those of you who raised your hand today. Father, I thank you for the courage that you pour on these people that have raised their hand and say, I'm leaving base camp, I'm climbing. I'm leaving these things behind, I'm leaving these fears behind. I'm leaving these tragedies behind. I'm leaving the voices behind. And these are climbers, Lord. And I thank you that you have all the experience that they will need to make it to the top. That you will guard their footsteps. And that You will show them the paths that they are to go in and through life. And at times. It may feel like detours, but Father God, I thank You that You don't leave them there by themselves, but that You are as close as the mention of Your name. Lord, I pray a blessing over them. And God, thank You that they are leaving base camp now, and that they are moving up the mountain, that they are climbing and leaving those things behind. It could be serious struggles that they're going through. It could be petty offenses. Nevertheless, if it keeps us from climbing, it's not good. So God, thank you that they're lacing up and that they're putting their jackets on and they're readying themselves and that they're presenting themselves to you, God, as a living sacrifice. I thank you, God, that you make them ready and that you send your angels before them and that, God, you're going to show them things that have never been seen before in their lives. God, may you speak to them, whether it be through words of prophecy or dreams or visions, thoughts of their future, Whatever it is, God, however you choose to speak, we allow you, God, we're open to whatever you have to say. Thank you for these mountain climbers, Lord, that what the enemy tried to stop, he cannot stop. And those voices that tried to stop us are not stopping us anymore. We put a stop to that through the blood of Jesus Christ. And why don't we all pray this together. Dear Jesus, Thank You for giving me strength to climb. I trust You to be my guide, to take me to the top. I'm not stopping halfway. I'm not giving up. I am going with You. Thank You, God, for growing my faith and allowing me to be a part of this great destiny. Thank you for the opportunities and the blessings that I will see through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Very powerful to see all the mountain climbers here. Really cool. I love you guys so much and realize today that you are wonderful, wonderful mountain climbers. And we're all getting to this top together. Amen. I love you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll see you youth this Wednesday night as we climb the mountain at Hilton Avenue. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) We'll see you guys later.